and we'll pray and we'll look at our passage for today. Um, Father, we do thank you and praise you uh, for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this time that we have together to, uh, to worship you uh, collectively, uh, Lord, that we can gather together, we can fellowship, we can worship you through singing, we can come to you uh, with prayer. And Lord, we do pray for Juana, Lord. Uh, I do pray, Father, that as they do the biopsy, they would see that the cancer is uh, con- contained. Uh, we pray for her. Uh, we pray for Felix, Lord, just uh, as with his wife and uh, the you know the mom of the family, Lord. It's just such a she's young, and it's a. Uh, I can only imagine the the feelings that they all are feeling together. And I know that their team is super close and that this will have sort of a, a rippling impact on, on them. And so we pray, Father, that you would uh, calm them and bring them peace that only you can. We pray, oh Lord, uh, just for the medical team that's over there in Romania. It's, not, it's at a different level than it is here. And so we pray uh, that you would give those individuals that are working with her, that you would give them uh, wisdom that may be beyond their training and help them to uh, figure out how they can best serve her. And I do pray that you would help them to, to slice through all of the... the it, it's a different medical world over there with uh, just being the socialist co- country. And, and so we ask, Lord, that you would um, help all the things that need to get done to get done. And may it be by your hand, and may they see you working and moving through this. Uh, We do pray for uh, Rachel and Isaac as they uh, continue uh, their way through Bible college, preparing for this unknown future. We do pray that you would uh, just grow them uh, deeper to you and their understanding of who you are. Uh, May you bless them uh, just as a newlywed couple and just... Uh, show them what they need to know as they prepare uh, to head out uh, to go overseas one day. And Lord, as we turn our attention to this passage, it's a difficult passage, and so I do pray, Father, that you would help us uh, to see what's being said here, that we would um, see how to apply it to our lives, ultimately that you would draw us closer to you, and that you would help us uh, to be people who are discerning, that we would have an understanding of what your word says, and um, not just that we would have it intellectually in our minds, but that it would be in our hearts. And as we go about our days, that you would help us uh, to discern uh, the spiritual realm around us, that we would cling to Christ and that we would walk faithfully with him all of the days of our life. Uh, Father, we do pray for our church, that you would help us to be a church that stands on the word of God and that we would take uh, this seriously. Uh, may we not drift as the years unfold. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right, 1 John chapter 4, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. You are from God 
little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And Father, we do again thank you uh, for this day. We ask that you would help us now, and it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. So in the mid-90s, I found myself in this course. It was actually a pretty fun fun course. They sent us to uh, this communication school, and our sort of our final training exercise was to drive from Coronado to Seattle, and we had a very uh, strict sort of like guidelines. They gave us uh, GPS coordinates, um, sort of how the military uses coordinates, not like you punch in an address, but we had to find sort of the eight-digit grid code of where we were going. Every four hours, we had to stop over the course of the week and make a specific communication back to Coronado. And so we didn't know the various times. Wherever we were, it was sort of a different. And I don't, I'm kind of like, there's HF, VHF, UHF, satellite, communications. And so we have to kind of figure out how we were going to make communications as we got further along. And I found myself crossing into the Oregon uh, state boundary. And we all kind of observed that the people in Oregon were a little bit different. And um, so you guys have been to Oregon. Um, I couldn't quite put my finger on what was going on up there. I'm not sure that I can still even to this day put my finger on it, but we found ourselves in the middle of Oregon at some rest stop, and, and the task at hand was to, to, to make a satellite uh, contact with Coronado. And so the, the satellite antenna back then, I'm sure things have advanced quite a bit, but it was this weird-looking like antenna array. And so I found myself in the parking lot kind of like, undoing this thing, sort of looking at it. We're in white government vans with a trailer, and we see these people, like, staring at us. They were interesting people. And me and my buddy, they're like, I don't know, three or four of us, and we see the guys looking at us, and they kind of, like, got closer, and they're like, hey, what are you guys doing? And we thought, let's tell them we are, like, hot on the trail of aliens. (laughs) And then we'll, like, we'll back it down and just, like, We'll just walk it back after we play the little joke on them. And so we said, we're, we're from the government, and we're, like, super hot on the trail of these aliens. And the, there's, like, these couple people quickly turn to each other. They're like, we knew it! And then they bolted, and they got in their cars, and they took off. So I'm convinced that there's, like, a group of people in Oregon today that are telling people that they met people from the government who were hot on the trail of, of aliens. And so we deceived the people sort of on accident, sort of on purpose. Uh, we kind of anticipated we'd say this, they'd have a big joke, and we'd say, oh, no, 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 we're just in a school, we're learning how to communicate satellite and, and be on with our way, but it didn't go that way. <laughs> and so today's text is, it's, it's talking, it's, I've not, this is a section that it's like, I don't really enjoy this section. It's like, oh, I'd rather, it's like, 
how do we love one another? How do we, like, practical stuff? This section is a very, uh, there's a warning here. There's a concern. The Apostle John is saying there are streams of thought in our world, and there's a stream that comes from God, and there's a massive stream that comes from the evil one that's aim is to seek to... uh, to lead you off course, to make you believe things, to, to draw you away from Christ. And so it's so much of this is like a, a warning passage that, that we need to be on our alert. And I think that it's so easy for us to be in denial about the spiritual realm that is around us. To, it, it's just, it's so easy for us just to sort of, uh, to scoff or to not think that this this war that's raging around us is actually real or actually is impacting us. Um, And so the Apostle John kind of gets into this with sort of verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world. And so we remind ourselves, or John reminds us that as he enters this section, he starts with this word beloved that is so uh, unique and peculiar to the Apostle John. He is, he's reminding them, he loves them, he cares for them. The, the content of this information, he's delivering this to people who he believes and affirms that they are Christians. These are people who have responded to the gospel, who have the spirit of God within them. Back to verse 24 of the previous chapter, where we just ended last week. He says, the one who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him. We know by this that he abides in us, by the spirit whom he's given us. So this is brand new information that John gives in, in 1 John. He's been telling us over and over and over again, abide in Christ, abide in Christ, abide in Christ. Then suddenly he says, as you abide in him, also the spirit of God is within you and he's abiding within you. And so he starts out with this warm, uh, the term of affection, beloved, I love you guys, you're children of God. Because I love you, I have to give you this warning so you don't get led astray. And he gives two commandments. There are two things that they are to do. The first thing that they're to do is not to believe every spirit and that they're supposed to test the spirits. And so the Christian isn't called to be uh, individuals who sort of naively believe just in all things that like, oh, I'm a person of faith and I just take whatever in as faith and I trust it. No, the faith is, is limited. This, the, bless you, the, for the, for the child of God, the Christian is to have faith in a very specific thing. And so he says, don't believe every spirit. There are going to be spiritual people. There are going to be spiritual messages. If we lived in a day, an age where there were Christian bookstores, I don't even know that Christian bookstores exist anymore. Uh, do they? Has anybody been to a Christian bookstore recently? Like I, the last one I knew of was like family Christian bookstore. Like, who are you pointing at? Temecula. Oh, Temecula. I'm like... I'm like, there's one over. Here. So there's 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 there is one in Temecula. Um, <clears throat> so there's there's a Christian bookstore that we're now aware of. I know that there are some bookstores um, like Barnes and Noble, and in Barnes and Noble you can go and you can find like 
the, the religious section. And then within the religious section, you can find the, the Christian section. And I think that there's a lesson, like just because it's in a Christian section or it's published by a Christian uh, publisher, it doesn't mean that it's trustworthy. There's a lot of dangerous information out there. So he's saying, hey, you need to be discerning. You need to be cautious. You can't just be sort of like gullible and and, uh, assume that everything is safe out there doctrinally. He's already started his letter with this warning that there is actively this attack against them that he's fighting against. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 22, 26, we read these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. 1 John 3, verse 7, little children, make sure no one deceives you. So there was this active war going against these believers. And John is saying, you need to ready yourself, equip yourself so that you're not deceived. And I believe that you do this, or that he's going to point them to the scriptures, to the word of God, that they so take in the truth that when they see the air, they, even if they're not able to articulate it, what the air is, they're able to sense it or to feel or just something is off here. Something is not right. And so the first thing he says, don't believe every spirit. Uh, have wisdom, discernment, knowing that just because it's spiritual, just because there's uh, some supernatural power behind it, or it sounds really good, or a lot of people are chasing after it, be cautious. You should be on the guard. Test the spirits. He says there are many false prophets. They've gone into the world. They're out roaming around everywhere. Uh, the, it, it's almost like as I'm reading this, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. <clears throat> I don't know if you have ever reached out to me about one thing in particular, but I get it all the time. Like, hey, I met a Navy SEAL. And the first thing I do is I kind of look down because I'm like, oh, they clearly like this person. And then they're, they're going to be talking about it. And in, my, in the background of my thinking is like, the reality is, is that there's a very high chance that the person's talking to a fraud because there's so many Navy SEALs out there that are not Navy SEALs that have done stuff. And we've had people like, oh, my dad just died and he was a Navy SEAL. It's like, do you really want us to fact check this? Because if we go fact check this, then it's like, and and so like I always cringe. And it's like we're in this network of guys and we see these requests come out daily. And ever whenever there's a name like, hey, does anybody know this name? Because there's a kid I'm working with and he's referencing the SEAL. And whenever there's like, hey, no, that guy's legit. He's a good guy. It's like, no way. That's like we all rejoice and celebrate. But most times it's like the guy's not in the database and he's, it's a fraud. And so he's saying there's all of these guys that are spiritual guys. These are guys who are the pastors, teachers, uh, have the Christian endorsement, whatever. And he's saying just because they're spiritual, you have to run a test to see that they're authentic. Just because they sort of make this claim doesn't mean that you should just give them everything of yourself, trusting them with your minds. Uh, there is a book in the Bible or I should say there's, a, there's a, a people group in the Bible that doesn't have a book named after them, the Bereans. The Bereans were sort of, they set the standard, bless you, uh, for how um, we are to operate as Christians. So the Apostle Paul writes, it's an, or it's, Luke is writing about the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. 
They'd been out. He's going all the way around through like Turkey, modern day Greece, uh, reaching out to people. They encounter these individuals called the Bereans. And when the Apostle Paul goes there, they take what Paul says. They say, this sounds really, really good, but we're going to check you out. And we read in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, now these were, these, the Bereans, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. And so the apostle Paul, he makes his round. He's telling them about the, the Messiah. He's teaching them from the scriptures and the people say, ah, it sounds really good, but let us check our Bibles first. And it wasn't like offensive to Paul. Paul say, no, 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 check me out. Search the scriptures for yourself. You need to make sure that what I'm saying is accurate because the scriptures are the standard, not a clever speech, speaker, not somebody who has this new, uh, you know, get spiritual quick idea that if you do this, then you're going to be even better with God than you are now. Those who are of the scriptures, like point people to the scriptures because this is the standard that we have. And he says, as you do this, as you test every spirit, as you put them to the test, by this, verse 2, you know the spirit of God. So he's saying you can test them. And if you want to run the test on what the individuals are saying, what they were dealing with in, in their time, this is the test that you're to run. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Um, and every spirit that does not c- confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you've heard that is coming and is now, and now it is in the world already. And so the jugular vein of the test is Jesus. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? Um, I think it's important that you not ask the question, do you believe in Jesus? If we say, do you believe in Jesus? A whole bunch of people can say, yes, I believe in Jesus, but the Jesus that they say they're believing in is not the Jesus of the Bible. And you can say all sorts of things about Jesus. All, all of the different, like the vast majority of the religions identify Jesus as like a prophet, a teacher, a good example. Um, the list goes on. But if you say, who is Jesus? Evangelical Christianity, biblical Christianity says Jesus is the Messiah who he being God took on flesh and became man, lived the perfect life, went to the cross, was my substitute on the cross that as the wrath of God was poured out on him, the sins of the world were absorbed in full. He did it all for for me. And then I come to him, I say, I believe. And in that moment, I'm saved. Any departure from that is a departure of, of the truth. And I find it interesting. So in our culture, there's not so much an argument about whether Jesus existed like as a human. Um, histor- there, there's just no denying historically that Jesus was a, an actual person. He lived and he existed. Um, you could touch him. You could feel him. You could see him. The deal that John is fighting against was the Gnostics. And the Gnostics didn't deny like his, his deity or his divinity. What they were denying is that he didn't embody the flesh. 
and that his flesh wasn't really there. And so there was this sort of divorce, and they were saying, hey, in your flesh, it doesn't really matter what you do because our bodies were contaminated. And so how you live your life, what you do, that doesn't matter. It's your spirit is different. And so it's just interesting, I'm just pointing this out, that the hypostatic union of Jesus, meaning that he was fully God and fully man, this thing that is beyond what our brain, if we're honest with with our intelligence, like it's more than we can like grapple with. But we know from the scriptures that these are true, that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man. We can't divorce the one from the other. This is who Jesus is. This is the litmus test. Jesus was man. Jesus was God. He went as the perfect sacrifice for us. He goes on to say in verse 4, you are from God, little children. Again, he uses this term of affection to them. He is not scolding uh, the church here. He recognizes these are his children. These are individuals who have responded to the gospel. They're walking with God. He's not trying to shake them uh, in their understanding of their relationship with God. He's trying to affirm to them that indeed they are secure in God. They didn't need to add anything to the message. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, these false teachers, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so going back to verse 24 of chapter 3, when he first reveals that as you abide in Christ and Christ within you, you have the Spirit of God, I, I think what he's saying here is he's, he's not giving them this message that they need to walk around sort of timid and afraid and everything's like messed up out there, and I'm going to get contaminated, so I have to be sort of fearful of, of taking in these, these teachings and these spirits. He's like, no, you can have confidence because in Christ you are secure. Greater is he that is in you that is in the world. This is one of those verses in John. As we go through John, <clears throat> I, I always recognize that John is filled with these verses that are so like comforting and so assuring, and they're so wonderful. And it's when you kind of go verse by verse, it's like, oh, this is really hard. But you come to these like verses that you can like commit to memory, commit to memory, even if it's not word for word, it's sort of the thought of it, that you can be out in the world and there can be things going around you. And you can easily think to yourself, you know, greater is he that is in me than is in the world. I don't have to be afraid in this circumstance. I don't need to be worried about my life or losing it because God is within me. I am secure whether I live or die or whatever. Jesus is with me. And there's just wonderful assurance in this. And this is what the letter of John is seeking to accomplish, that that these children of God would find assurance in him. He goes on to say, verse 5, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. So he's saying, just this is pointing out, those that are in Christ are of the world. The world has messages that people are going to sort of like run and go wild and follow and believe, and he's saying that's normal. They're of the world. When the world presents something that sounds really good, the world's going to run with it. And I do think that there should be a, a, a healthy... Um, dose of a word that I've coined over the years of skepticism within us 
Uh, skeptimism is when you take being somebody who's skeptical and a pessimist together. Skeptimistic. I think we should be skeptimistic. Like whenever there's like some new trend and all of these people are sort of like following this direction, like even within like Christian circles, oh, there's some new book or there's some new craze or there's some new diet and they, whatever it is, and they throw the Bible and it's, oh, this is of the Lord. And everybody's running. I, I think that the apostle John wants to say, time out, time out. Like there's nothing new under the sun. And we need to keep our attention on the scripture, not to, to wander from the scripture. And he's saying there's going to be all of these ideas and people are going to run with it and, and worldly thought is out there. And if people are of the world, the world, of course, is going to run with it. You don't need to run with it because we are from God. I don't think he's saying we as an us. I think what he's saying now is we, like the beginning of 1 John, speaking of the, the apostles, those that penned the scriptures. He says, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Remember how, the, how John starts this letter out? He starts this letter out with, we saw him. We walked with him. We touched him. We felt like we, he was real. Everything about him, we were there. We can authenticate the things that we're teaching to you are of the truth, are close to Jesus. We're not making this up. Our testimony is based on his words and everything he said. And so he's pointing people to the apostolic teaching. Stay close to the word of God. As we listen to the word of God, as we walk through this, we, we know that as we're going through 1 John, we can open this page and say, we're reading firsthand testimony of a man who spent his like adult life with the person of Jesus, was there at his crucifixion, was there at his as resurrection and ascension. And as he went through his life, he's like, these are the things that God has given me to share to you. And you can find peace and security and joy by staying close to the word of God. And so he's saying, stay close to our teaching. Don't deviate from the scripture in seeking truth. And so this, this passage, as we look through this, it's a, it's a short passage today. Like time change, you guys got an extra hour of sleep, and it's crazy to me how an extra hour of sleep makes us all more tired. And, uh, and so in John chapter 10, Jesus, this, this, this uh, section about the good shepherd, it starts out, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Jesus is like, listen, I'm like the gatekeeper, and my sheep know my voice. People who try to sneak in the back door or over the wall, like they're not of me, and they're here to do damage. And he makes his whole case like, hey, like, my, like the, the bottom line, my, my sheep know my voice, my sheep hear me. And if you continue to listen to my voice and you continue to walk with me, there's safety and security there. The Apostle John is saying, guys, there's safety and security by walking closely with Jesus. Stay close to his word because the world around you, behind it, there's demonic activity and there is this spiritual realm that's trying to lead us off course subtly, but ultimately leads to dangerous places. Paul would tell Timothy at the end of his life in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, his last warning to Timothy, he says, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And so it's critical for us to stay close 
to the scriptures. Like if we take anything away from today, know that the world is going against what God has revealed. Our flesh, our thinking, our everything about this world is going against the grain of what God has revealed. And the apostles say, you need to stay close to the word of God. If somebody pitches an idea, say, I don't know about that. I need to kind of like take some time to think about how does this align with what the scripture says? You have a thought about something? How does this align with the text? And so what do we do with this? Like, I think that the first step is to, to at least acknowledge that there's a spiritual realm out there, that there is this sort of attack waging, waging war against us. Um, about 20 years ago or so, Ann and I did this trip. We were asked to go with this, this pastor to Salt Lake City um, to prepare for like a youth event that was going to happen during the summer. And he's like, I just need to go up there for the day. I need to make contact with the people to make sure that everything's set so that when we come into town, that everything's ready. Um, and he's like, so we're going to drive up in the morning. And I'm pretty sure we drove home that night. I don't remember spending the night in Utah. Oh, we spent the night. Uh, I guess it's such a blur. So maybe we spent the night and then drove home first thing in the morning. But it was like this whirlwind of a trip. And I remember leaving on this trip early in the morning, driving all the way to Salt Lake City. And the, the two things, as I look back on this trip, like stand out to me. Um, halfway between here and Salt Lake City is a town that you guys may know or not know, Las Vegas. It almost like splits the difference between Salt Lake City. And so being on this trip to Mormon territory to prepare for outreach amongst Mormon territory, we had to sort of do the flyby through Vegas. And so by the time we got to Vegas and then we got to Salt Lake City, in my mind it was this whirlwind of like seeing how Satan plays his game just in very two different contexts. So polarized from a human perspective, but it's the same person playing the game just like manipulating people in different ways, it super stood out to me. And then our, our time there, we were there during Christmas season, and everybody's like, hey, you got to go down to the Mormon temple, check it out. They do all of these Christmas lights, and it's amazing. And, and they were spectacular. Like, it, I mean, it's, it, it was super impressive. And I remember going through the visitor center of, of the Mormon, uh, probably not the Mormon temple. It was a Mormon visitor center, center because I wouldn't have been allowed into the tabernacle area. Um, but as you make your way into the, the visitor center, like all across like the walls, it was Bible. It was like King James Bible of sort of like the gospel presentation. And I remember just sort of like walking away super, I don't know, troubled or trying to grapple with, like I could see an individual that doesn't know God walk here, read the Bible, come to faith in Christ, and then to find their way into the Mormon church, which is very different than the Bible message. And to go like, how does their salvation work? It was just very kind of creep, like to go, man, this is like super deceitful. This is people are being led astray. And it just, it like gripped me in a way that I don't think I'd ever encountered in this, like, I don't know, whatever it was, the, the 48 hour window between like Vegas and, and Salt Lake City, seeing the spiritual realm in ways that my eyes had never really been opened up to. 
And so I do think that there's like the first step for us is to recognize and to see there is this spiritual realm all around us and there is this battle raging for your mind to lead you astray. And so for me as the pastor of this church, I do think that there's a huge charge for me to like stay committed to teaching the Bible. Like we go through a book of the Bible at a time, we make our way through and we deal with verses, whether or not I like them. This is not a passage I would choose if I was like doing topical preaching. I would never come to this one. I would never come to one. Rachel came into my office today. And she's like, I have a question about women in the Bible. I'm like, oh, Rachel, like it's a Sunday. Or Her question was actually really easy. But, but it's like those passages I would never, ever choose. Like I would never choose them. But the reason that I'm so committed to like choosing a book of the Bible, working through the book of the Bible is because Gunner is unreliable. Seriously, like, you, like I don't have any authority. The authority is the scriptures. And the only way that we're going to handle the scriptures more cautiously without Gunner manipulating what the Bible says is to say, I'm committed to pe- teaching through this passage. And then I'm going to teach this passage. And then next week, we're going to pick up at verse seven. And then we're going to see what God has to say next. We need to recognize that the scripture is God's revealed word to us. We are under it. I'm under it. And I am committed so long as I'm the pastor of this church that we are going to go through books of the Bible so that we get a healthy dosage of spiritual food because this is what we need. We need to recognize our minds are under attack. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, these super well-known verses, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And I think as we put the word of God into us, this is sort of what happens. We begin to have our minds renewed. We begin to see things differently than we saw them apart from Christ. And so individually, we must commit ourselves to walking closely with Christ. We need to seek God for prayer. Lord, help me as you take on your day, that he gives you strength, that he gives you wisdom, that he convicts you along the way, that you make choices that honor him and are good for you. We need to take in the Bible, like as we're getting ready to wrap up this year, we're getting really close. And as a warning that as this year ends, there'll be another push like, hey guys, try to read the Bible next year. And that's like Bible bingo. It's all like the Bible bingo is like questions from the text that we've been reading throughout the month. It's it's something that helps us to stay engaged with the text so that we know uh, like what we're reading to kind of pause and to take it in. Or don't worry if you're coming today and you've not done that, just come and eat and fun, have fun. Because like fellowship, this koinonia, being close to one another, uh, being close with your brothers and sisters in Christ is huge. Because you're not going to be able to take in the Bible in like a week or a month or a year. It's like a lifetime learning experience. And you're going to be faced with stuff that, isn't necessarily in the Bible that there's not a verse that says, thou shalt do this in this given situation. And I think that there is something to being around a body of believers to say, I'm struggling with this decision. What are your thoughts about this? I see it this way. 
And then suddenly you go around a bunch of other, your brothers and sisters in Christ that you have a relationship with, and they say, I agree with you. That seems like you're, like, I agree with your assessment. I think that's a good idea. And we go, okay, I'll, I think I feel comfortable kind of going down that direction. Or you can be like, hey, that's a terrible idea. Like, I would red light, yellow light, like, huh, really? Yeah, you probably should think through this because these are the things that you should take into consideration. And you get that in community. The Christian life is not a lone ranger life. Okay, wrapping up here. I also just want to say this doesn't call us to becoming God's cops. Like, I don't think that this is a commission for us to go around to every group and every person saying, doctrinally off here, I'm writing you a ticket. You're like some of us, myself, we tend to be wired like this. Like we think that God has called us to be the policeman of the world to say like, you're off for this. I think that God has called us to be more like firemen to sort of treat and help and to like lead people, not to be the cops. Um, This isn't calling us to be a jerk with the world around us, to be a jerk with other Christian thoughts and churches. Um, it's, it's, It's a challenge to ourselves individually to make sure that we are doing things right where he's going to lead. Next week, the next three weeks, in the next 17 verses, there's a word that's going to surface over and over and over again. And I think that's what the Apostle John wants us to emphasize. And the word that appears 32 plus times in the next 17 verses is the word love. You can't read from verse 7 to, the, to chapter 5. If you can't pick up the word love, then you're, you, you should probably go back to grammar school and like figure out like, I'm not in, like, it's just every other word is the word love. And so there's this challenge that we as God's people, like our lives are to be marked with the, with love and caring for one another and, and, and that God's love should be seen in us. Okay, let's pray. God help us with this. Um, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. This is a difficult passage. Um, this is one that we don't like to, or I don't like to necessarily, uh, to wade into. I like to enjoy life and the world that you've created. And, um, but Lord, your word tells us that there is this spiritual realm. There is more than meets the eye that's happening around us. There indeed is evil in this world. There is, in, there is indeed um, an evil one, Satan, who is opposed to Christ. There is one who is the Antichrist, and he has many followers who are opposed to Jesus. And they are good and slick in presenting a case against Christ. So often it's subtle. And so, Father, we come to this passage recognizing our need uh, for your help. Father, may we uh, be sensitive to the Spirit of God that is within us. May we hear your voice. May you keep us grounded in the scriptures. May we individually and collectively as a church family really be committed, Lord, to your scriptures, your word. Uh, We live in a world that is just really opposed to the things of God, Um, almost violently opposed to the things that you have called us to stand for. And so, Father, I pray that you would help us to guard our minds, help us to fill our minds and our hearts with your word, 
May we have wisdom from above and just everything that we have to deal with. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be a church that loves um, as you have called us to love. And it's in Christ's good name I pray. Amen.